On today's episode of Family Flowers Only, I speak to Diane Healy. Diane is from Sligo, a guard and mom to little Caelan. Diane first experienced grief when she lost her dad, Hugh, six weeks before her wedding to the love of her life, Ronan. They went on to build a beautiful life and during lockdown, they were so content in their own little bubble with their new little baby when devastatingly tragedy struck again when Ronan lost his life in an RTC. Diane so bravely spoke to me about her broken heart, the dignity, honour and respect that was paid to Ronan during his funeral, the ripple effect of his loss and how she tries to find light through self-care. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Diane. Hello, Kathy. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Well, this time yesterday, you weren't even supposed to be here, were you? No, really? this is um, <laughs> really not me and lastminute.com. Diane, um, you're from Sligo. Yeah. Um, and you and I met, obviously, on a retreat, which we'll mention later. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, obviously, this podcast is all about grief and loss. And you're here to share your story, uh, which you is it's actually quite a lot of loss that you've had. Mm. Um but I suppose the main one that we're going to chat about today is, first of all, I didn't get the chance, obviously, to meet your lovely husband, Ronan. Yeah. But I feel like we would have got on because he was a fellow Roscommon oh, man. Oh, Jesus, he'd be drawn to you. <laughs> <laughs> a proud Rossi through and through. All right. Oh, yeah. God. So listen, I would love, as I always say, I'd love to go back mm-hmm. um, with you guys. Uh, I would love to go back and hear about when you first laid eyes on Mr. Ronan. Healy. Okay, so where do I start? It's over 20 years ago. Uh, wow. Like my friend that I went to school with, Elaine, was going out with Ronan's friend, Finian. Okay. So back in 2000, I was in my leave insert and he was in college in <laughs> wow. Sligo. Yeah, so. Ah, okay. Yeah. I was wondering, so, I, was, I was thinking, how did they meet now if she was in Sligo? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, would have met him. We weren't together or anything, but in, uh, you know, mutual friends and always got on and had the crack. And uh, yeah, I, I just always remember him. Um, He's just really happy, go lucky chap. And we got chatting. We weren't together or anything. Just mm. But I remember I always had disposable cameras. <laughs> My friends will laugh before phones. And uh, I'm ancient now. Um, so disposable disposable cameras and actually I remember Ronan took my camera way before selfies and he took a picture of himself. Didn't no know the guy. Way. So like I you know, weeks later you'd be printing off your phone. It's like, oh my God, there's Ronan, that lad. <laughs> but you know. And on and off over the next couple of years he'd meet out obviously on in Carrick and Shannon we'd be out and nights out and we'd be out with Elaine and of course she'd be with Finian and Ronan might be there. Definitely all his fancy done. When I think about it now. Wow. Yeah. If yeah. he's here now, he'd be like, hmm. <laughs> he stood out to you. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I was 19, came back from a girly holiday. We all went on the beer in Carrick and Shannon. And <laughs> of course, the lads were out. And we that was our first night to kiss. And wow. Yeah. So that kind of went on and off. For, on As in every time we'd see each other, we'd be with each other. So then roll on to my 21st. Mm. And he came to my 21st birthday and um, yeah, so he came. I think he was a bit nervous and he had a few drinks before he came. So like <laughs> obviously he was going around chatting everyone. And then I was there to my sister. There's a guy up at the bar that I 
kind of width and so uh, she's like where is he and then I looked over and he was asleep at the bar <laughs> so uh, she's like oh my god that's not him is it and uh, it's like no he's lovely honestly <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and no doubt you never let him live that down no yeah. it was mentioned at our wedding and everything yeah yeah, yeah. so um, yeah so we stayed in touch a big time after that. Actually, sorry, to roll back, he woke to give me my 21st kiss and we had a great night. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he got a second wind that oh. night, <laughs> as he always did on nights out. So, oh. um, no. Um, so you obviously got on and there was something there and then you met it official. Yeah, I invited him to my sister's best friend's wedding. OK. So that summer, uh, 2004, and... Uh, yeah, so that's a really, I suppose, was the real pushing it forward. And um, yeah. yeah, so he came down to collect me and thinking it was just me going to the wedding. And he uh, rang the doorbell and, of course, uh, my father answered the door. So he didn't realise that the whole family were going to the wedding. It was a family affair. So he met my mum, my dad, my brothers, my brother-in-law, my sister, <laughs> and they're all going to the wedding. So God love him. He was really thrown into the... <laughs> But he slotted in like really, oh, just from the moment he came in, like, oh. So tell me what he was like as a person. So I like to hear this, like, I like to get this picture in my head. So he's come into the family and slots in. What was he like? He would just come into a, the room very, you know, unassuming. But when you got to know Ronan, he was just the life and soul of a party. Like, right. Very yeah. friendly. Very friendly. Yeah. And always made people feel welcome and. Just would, if you look at pictures of him, he always has his hand around someone like just real, you know, warm. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And so you guys were going out and then did you take your time and get engaged or when did that come along? <laughs> did he, he take his time? Yes, he did. <laughs> Definitely did. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were going out for a few years and I actually ended up joining the guards. And so I went off to Templemore and he got actually came down here to Galway and worked just down the road here in Boston Scientific. wild, isn't it? It's weird, actually. Yeah, yeah, just back here again. So we were basically living out of a bag for a few years, as in up and down to Galway from Donegal. I was sent to Donegal then. OK. North Donegal. Yeah. Couldn't be further away. And then in 2010, I got a move down nearer to home and he got a move back to Sligo. So we moved in together. And then 2011, we got engaged, which okay. was a big surprise. Yeah, it was like the week before Christmas. He surprised me. He's like, uh, pack your bag. We're going somewhere in the morning. It's like, what? And he's like, oh, I didn't know what to get you for Christmas. We're going out a long time now. So we got married long two after? years later then in 2013. So okay. August 2013. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, obviously you, you guys had a, a nice set up and a nice plan in place and then um, you know in terms of loss you had never really lost anybody but then I suppose it was your first experience of loss was with your dad yeah yeah um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer 20, 2007 I think it was Okay. but he was such a fighter he kept fighting it you know and he'd get his treatment and his chemo and mm. he'd be doing well and you know but unfortunately it came back really bad and six weeks before we got married, he passed away. Oh, God, that's yeah. so hard, isn't it? Yeah, it was shocking, a shocking time in my life. In all so our six lives. weeks before your wedding. Yeah, you're just 
Now obviously he, he had to power on ahead with that. Oh yeah, like he became very ill that Christmas actually. Uh, my 30th birthday, he wasn't able to make it. I knew then things weren't good, but you still don't want to believe. Mm. And, uh, you know, he put up a big fight. There was a lot of rushing in and out a &E. And, you know, I, I never thought he wouldn't be there. I thought he would. And God, he tried his best too. But yeah, unfortunately, he lost his fight in June 2013, yeah. 10 years ago, which is hard to believe. Yeah. And um, obviously, you know, that just rocks the family. Cause he's oh. a young man. like Yeah, really. he was only in his mid 60s. Yeah. Like big man, had so much to live, loved his family. And you guys as a family strike me as because I know I was um, watching a bit of stuff that you sent me yeah. um, and your family. Just I can just feel how the brothers and everything, <sighs> yeah. they're just so warm and you're so close. We're all so close as a family. Oh, yeah. A yeah. happy family. Yeah. And it just rocked us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We were so happy. And my poor mom and all of us, like, we really, we really miss him a lot, you know, even to the day, 10 years on. Woo. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Of course you would. Why yeah. would you not? Like, yeah. And come here, get married then must have been so hard to try and, and, and put that to one side on the day. Like, do you feel like for you it was tough in the lead up to the wedding, obviously? Or did you just kind of throw your mind elsewhere and say, I'll deal with that afterwards? Yeah, listen, listen, the the wedding plans kind of went on hold. I had a lot, it was organised, but just like, yeah, no. And, you know, obviously that took over and there's lots of things to, you know, the funeral and then the month's mind, which, you know, can be bigger than the funeral. And yeah, next thing, like we're getting married in a few weeks, we'd no invites sent out. Like yeah. my friends and my sister, they planned a hen for me two weeks before we got married. And Ronan had a stag and we sent out the invites two weeks before we got married. But everyone understood, you know, everyone was really good to us. And yeah, it's I suppose it probably had give me a little bit of a focus. I was broken. I was absolutely heartbroken and not to have dad there to walk me down the aisle. But yeah, it's just it really rocks the family. Really, really rocks. It was I have a bit of loss like with aunts and uncles and stuff. But like Jesus, when it's. Yeah, your parent and he's so young and yeah, such a wonderful man. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, what was your dad's name? Hugh. Hugh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for you, obviously, you have the most joyous moment of your life. Yeah. And it's such a contradiction because you're heartbroken. Also, you had your partner in crime there yeah. with you. Yeah. What was he like during that time with you? Was oh, he amazing? Ronan was amazing. Such a rock. Like you know, so understanding and just listen to me and just let me cry and yeah such a rock you know and give the best bear hugs yeah, yeah. yeah. and he obviously had a great relationship with your dad oh. too probably oh my god did he it's actually I, my dad didn't want to see me when I was ronin 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 did <laughs> really? you feed that man did you look after that man did you get enough to eat ronin and say he put on weight every time he went down to my house they were actually very alike which Re is strange well it's not strange because no. I think don't, don't they say you go for yeah. a man that's like your dad yeah yeah <laughs> there were so so many characters were yeah. the same um, so he looked after dad, you well I adored Ronan I adored him yeah yeah, yeah. and so the, you know obviously that was such a tough time and then for you guys as a couple um, how was that first year of marriage it was probably so again bittersweet and yeah bittersweet like we had a fantastic wedding I was broken like but you know my mum such a fantastic person she walked me down the aisle 
not an easy task for her. And no. we had a great day amongst the tears. I had a really great celebration, really great weekend. Did like the, the next day I nearly enjoyed better, you know. Yeah, I think the a lot of people, was off. Like the crack was 90. And I, as I said, I was watching some stuff that you, you sent me, which is lovely to, to get a, a picture of what you're like. But like I saw you do the river dance. <laughs> yeah. That was a big highlight, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ronan was a great dancer and we loved dancing. And Yeah. So like... Ronan then at a, a wedding. Oh. His, this is the thing, is it? <laughs> th- like we had been so many weddings, like we were going out like every weekend, we had a wedding, 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 you know, sometimes you might have two or three. And uh, yeah, I think we called ourselves the wedding crashers and it was just <laughs> crack and friends and phone and then a bit of drink thrown in and then the dancing and ACDC come on and like I'm Ronan Healy. <laughs> He could be in the toilet and he'd just make a burst through the door <laughs> and on the floor and the tie around the head and the, uh, the trousers. What is that with Irish yeah, men? I don't and get all it. And all his friends. And, and he loved it. Oh, Jesus. There was no holding them back. They were really? like bull calves in a. <laughs> 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 yeah, just great crack. Yeah. So obviously you settled into married life then after that. And had you built your home at this stage? We applied for planning and actually dad was alive when we had and we got refused, but we kept at it and we built our house. We started the year after we got married and um, we moved in in Christmas 2015. Mm. Yeah, a beautiful house. Yeah. So, so do you, you feel like you probably settled into things then, you know, yeah. year two into you, the last year of dad and all of that? And um you know, yourself and Ronan, I suppose, obviously, as a lot of couples do, we're probably thinking about having children and things yeah. like that then next. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And uh, it took a little while for it to happen. And we had a little bit of heartbreak that I won't go into today. No, yes. But yeah, our little miracle baby, Kaylin, um, got pregnant in 2019. Yeah. And he arrived into our lives in the midst of a pandemic in May 2020. Yeah. And how did the pregnancy go? Um, yeah, I was a bit sick, but um, I uh, like nearly lost little Kaylin. I was about seven weeks mm. in. I had a massive bleed. I was working nights. Wow. I came home and Ronan was must have been off or something. And I woke him up and I was just like, something's wrong. And I just fell into the bed crying. I was like, we're losing the baby. And... He was just like, it was just rolling to a tea. He's like, come on now, don't worry about it yet. He said, lie into bed there. You're coming from nights. Um, just have a rest for yourself. And he went off like this is really early in the morning, seven in the morning, his day off. And he went off and organized for me to be brought in for a scan into Sligo General. So, um, yeah, so we went in and I suppose you're nearly bracing yourself for the worst. Yeah. But our little bean was stuck and uh, he was there and um, I was put on bed rest for three weeks and I couldn't go to work or anything so I just really had to mind myself and no lifting and yeah and then the big COVID came in March 2020 I was seven months pregnant such an un- a really scary unknown time yeah yeah and I, I think women were if you were pregnant were exceptionally worried because it was like yeah. terrifying oh if I catch god. this oh my god like, yeah yeah. Like, yeah and he really did protect me like he did, did all the shopping like just didn't want me going out into the public and you know and you know I was signed off from work and just because I didn't know what harm I was going to do in a baby an unborn baby mm. so I was two of us were at home for that first lockdown and you know what I absolutely loved it 
Every second I of loved it. it. He was working from home. We never got this time together. And like we were stuck in each other's pockets. We were just saying, thank God we get along. Like breakfast, lunch, dinner. We went for about two walks every day. Me waddling along with a big belly. <laughs> and just we Magic. were just happy, happy out. How did he find the pandemic? Like he was he the same? Or yeah, the first ones, but I think by the end of it, he was kind of getting a, not fed up. He, he was saying maybe if you could work two or three days at home and maybe go into the office two days or something. Yeah. He, I think he, he's such a social person. He needed person. a bit of, yeah. Yeah, he needed, he liked to be Strikes around people. Strikes me, yeah, as his friends were massively important to him and stuff like that. Oh, Christ, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah he was such a family and friends man and so committed and dedicated and loyal. Um, So I suppose back to... You're in lockdown and then um, it's March and you're seven months pregnant. Yeah. And you have that time together. Yeah. So magical. So magical. Like, yeah. Um, and you're obviously preparing for baby to come. Yeah. Baby was to come in May. And yeah. And then obviously that time the daddies weren't allowed in. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like I was um, induced on a Monday morning in late May and uh, Ronan was allowed in for that because we were over in the labour ward. But once that had set in and then when I started going into, I suppose, active labour, they wheeled me over to the maternity ward and he had to go home. And I didn't. That was on a Monday and I didn't see him until I was in active labour then on Wednesday. No, sorry, the following morning. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so it's hard. Like it was a challenging time when I think about it, not to have your like he he felt it more than me. Like to be there, I was up all night, like, you know, the pains and um. They brought me over to the labor ward then on the Tuesday morning. So 24 hours after the induction and they broke my waters and it was like something out of a movie. I'll never forget it. They had rang Ronan to, that he could come in, that they were going to break in my waters. They broke my waters. It was very painful. And I was so emotional because, you know, I was up all night, didn't get a wink of sleep and in a lot of pain. And I suppose the worry that comes with it. And he just burst through the doors. I'll never forget looking over to my right hand side and there he was and he just made everything better mm. as he always did. God, I'm so happy to have so him. So happy and I got an epidural then and like we could relax a bit then and the crack, we just had a bit of crack and I think I fell asleep and you know our little monkey did not want to come out. <laughs> he didn't come out until the early hours of the Wednesday morning. Wow. So it was like nearly three days in labour so and then he arrived. Yeah, like Ronan was there all that Tuesday and then at 26 minutes past midnight on the Wednesday morning, on the 27th of May, Caelan Hugh Healy arrived into the world. Yeah, so like and his daddy. And you were complete. We were so happy. We were in just our own little bubble. Our own little love bubble. Yeah. So you took him home and, you know. Yeah, you know yourself. You're just in that little bubble and, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. The lack of sleep would absolutely kill you, but you get through it because you're so on love and on high, you know. And uh, was Ronan working away at this time as well? He took some time out. He was working from home and took time out. He took, I think, well, actually, uh, more loss. Um, Poor Ronan's mum had a stroke around 2010, 2011. Now, she was being looked after at home and um, family were great to her. And she took a, f- a turn maybe in 2019 and was in a nursing home. Mm. But COVID came in, it really affected her. She really went downhill. Um, 
like Ronan and his family, um, especially the boys that are at home, his siblings living abroad. But uh, Ronan and his two brothers and his dad, like they rallied around her and looked after her. Like they took turns every night going up to give her dinner and um, just to make sure she had enough to eat. And, you know, she couldn't remember. I suppose dementia had kicked in at that stage. Mm. And um, just to be with her until she fell asleep. Like before she went into the nursing home, he'd be bringing her out for spins down to the beach or he'd have her down for dinner nearly every Sunday with us and the dad. And, and so... Th- his mum sadly passed away then in July 2020. Yeah, Caelan was five weeks old. I'll never forget it. I was up feeding the little man and Ronan was actually in the spare room. Like we always said, there's no point in the two of us being yeah. tired yeah. and yeah. killing each other. Totally so get that. at least if one take it in turns, you know, so I was feeding. So obviously it was during the night shift and yeah, um, a call came in from Ronan's brother um, to me because I couldn't get him and just to say that she had passed at like four o'clock in the morning do you know she was a sick lady and yeah. unfortunately dementia had taken over and you know it's it doesn't make it any easier no he's devastated but it was you know they didn't want to see her going on suffering but um yeah and so for you then i suppose now you were you know the shoe was under the foot he supported you when your dad passed and yeah. now his mom had passed and obviously he you seem to always have been like this team, yeah. always together, yeah. always moving on forward but yeah. with your ups and your downs and life comes yeah. at you from yeah. different directions. And obviously he had a period then after that of yeah. grief and loss. Yeah, and, and he was real mammy's boy, you know. And was he? Yeah. Lo- I just loved his mom. Mm. He was the baby mm. of family of six. Trying to, I suppose, navigate Ronan through his loss, holding his, his hand. Um, Caelan definitely helped things for us both but especially for Ronan Mm -hmm. Uh, like I remember I'd often come down from having a shower and he'd be downstairs with him and I'd just look over and he'd be changing him but the tears would be just coming down his eyes but he'd be laughing at the little man at the same time you know it's that whole thing of joy and grief coexisting he was so sad but he was so happy yeah yeah and then I suppose you know I get that you have your little ray of light and Caelan yeah and he brings so much joy yeah but I suppose sadly for you that wasn't the end in March 2021 life was rolling along oh. and out of the blue that day changed everything yeah 11th of March 2021 I'll never forget it we just got into a routine with the little man he was just over nine months nine months old and uh, he just started sleeping the night. I did a lot of sleep training with him. So, um, yeah, I'll always remember Caelan woke as Ronan's alarm went off. So Ronan worked in Donegal, in Donegal town, which is about an hour from our house. And he commuted up and down. And so Caelan woke at quarter to seven that morning, same time as Ronan's alarm. So I got the baby, brought him downstairs for his bottle. Uh, Ronan had a shower. Uh, came downstairs and made his porridge and was just chatting to us and I give him Caelan his bottle and uh, I'll always remember we have a kind of an open plan area and I was sitting down on in the TV room on the couch and the little man was just playing in front of me he was, he was crawling and 
Ronan sat onto the our island and up onto his chair and he was eating his porridge. And next thing, Caelan just crawled. Oh, God, adored his daddy. Like he'd actually legs start shaking when he come in the door, like just <laughs> adored him. So he crawled on over to daddy, legged it over when he saw him. And of course, Ronan, he picked him up and hello, little man. He'd always call him little man and sat him on his knee and Caelan was picking strawberries off his porridge. Like, I'll never forget looking over, going, oh, my God, isn't this just Cute. lovely? And, uh, yeah, so um, Ronan used to leave at half seven every morning and he kissed us goodbye. He, I remember him coming over. He kissed me on the forehead and he kissed the little man. Um, probably told us he loved us. And then I'll always remember him. It's weird. I'll always remember him looking back. And he's like, bye, little man. I kept waving and waving and waving until he went out the door. And that was it. It's the last time he was out there. So normal morning, I busy with the little man. was watching a little bit of morning TV while he was playing in front of me. And I'll never forget watching Ireland AM. And there was, I can't remember her name. She did a podcast with Brian Dowling. She'd lost her husband in the fires in Greece and she was on and I was bawling watching it. I was like, that poor woman. Oh, my God. And watching that and bearing in mind, this is in a level five lockdown and we were kind of still seeing families, but not going into each other's houses. I suppose we were conscious the numbers were up again and stuff. But who pulled up at my big window on my left hand side, the side of the house were only my brother in law. He's a guard as well. He's married to my sister. They live across the road. And I was like, oh, it's like, are you making I he, he said he'll always remember me waving out and smiling at him. And uh, he came round our back door, which is our sliding door. And I opened the door and he came in. And because we were conscious of not going into each other's houses, like we had just seen each other the day before and we weren't going into the houses and stuff. And uh, he came in and I, it kind of didn't dawn on me for a few seconds. And then I was like, what's wrong? You know, I actually I went straight to my mum. I thought it was my mum. I was like, what's wrong? And, you know, he was just like, just come over here for a second. Just come over here for a second. And uh, like it still didn't register with me. Like this is only just over an hour later. And uh, I was just like, what's wrong? He's like, he's like Ronan has been in an accident. I was like, OK. And like you just think an accident. OK, just crash <laughs> like, you know. And uh, for some reason, I just a flash in my head, broken leg or something like that. And I was like, OK, OK. He goes, no, die. It's, it's really, really serious. And uh, oh, man, that's when the moment of my life changed forever. Um, I suppose Ronan at that stage, they were organising for him to be airlifted down to Sligo General. So like when I'm obviously the job I do, you hear airlifting, you know, it's not good. But you still are not thinking, you know, that way. And bearing in mind uh, where Ronan's accident happened is up on my workplace. It's where I cover up in South Donegal. So Ronan's accident happened on my patch, if you get me. Oh so it's all my colleagues that went to this. So basically what happened was Ronan, there was a big flash hailstone storm just Donegal is the strangest weather anyways but these random big hailstones like massive mm -hmm. just came and littered the road a straight stretch of road and Ronan lost control of the car 
tried his best to regain control, but his car unfortunately went out onto the other side of the road and he side impacted with a van that was coming in the opposite direction. So, oh God, I was just frantic at home, like going absolutely frantic. And he was just waiting to hear back from my colleague, Caroline. Um, I remember, I don't know, was it me or him got true to her? And I was like, Caroline, like, is he, is he alive? Like, is he okay? Is he going to be okay? And she's like, I don't know, Diane. It's very, very serious. It's very serious. And at that stage, then we found out that he, he was being airlifted to, to Sligo. Well, actually, we didn't know where he was going to be airlifted. Uh, we were told it might be Galway, it might be Dublin. And I was thinking in my own head, oh, my God, it's not good if he's going to Dublin to Bowmount because that means a head injury. So then I heard that he was going to Sligo. And I was thinking, OK, this is OK. Hmm. So not OK, but, you know, I I understand. Yeah, yeah what you, mean. you know, that there might be hope and uh so next thing, like everyone started landing, like my sister landed and she got my mum to come up and it was just, it was manic. It was frantic. There was a lot of screaming, a lot of crying, crying. But like, yeah, I didn't know whether we'd go up to the scene or. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, we found out Sligo. So my brother's like, come on, come on. So I like I was still in my pajamas. I still didn't eat my breakfast. It was sitting there in my overnight oats. I'll never forget it. And out the gap and in the road trying like the clappers that my brother-in-law he drove me I was like like it was just like an outer body experience um I remember not joking with my brother-in-law like Ronan broke his ankles playing football years ago I was like this is hardly the ankle situation like he wasn't a good patient <laughs> and I was like he goes oh Diane I wish I wish and like you know you're trying to have hope like he pulled up to a &E, and I just ran out of the car and I burst through the doors like this is COVID and everyone's wearing masks. I was like, where is he? Where is my husband? Where is he? Little did I know he was being worked on in a room to my left into the resource room. So they like just the nurses brought me into the family room. My brother-in-law Mick was with me. I was going up the walls like. All concept went out the window, all. I'd say they could hear me screaming from up in level eight, up in ICU. They were kind of coming in, just kept saying they're working on, they're working on him, you know, but you still weren't being told anything. Well, we know more, we let you know. Like, I suppose I should have read you the lines like that. I'll never forget that male nurse, his face. Like, he was so sorrowful, like. Um, I remember standing up in this tiny family room, not much, probably smaller than this room. And I, I swear to God, I was going through the walls. I was like, am I overreacting here, Mick? Am I overreacting? I wanted him to tell me. I said, am I overreacting here? He goes, no, you're not, unfortunately. I'm glad of his honesty because, oh God, I like, I remember scraping the walls. Like, and I said that W word. I was like, am I, gonna be, I can't be a widow. I'm only 37. I have a baby at home. Like, it's just like being plucked from your body and you're looking in at yourself. Um, it's the most unrealistic situation you ever want to be in. But next thing, all family started arriving. My sister, my brothers, my sister-in-laws, 
the guards, my colleagues. Oh man, and this went on for about like the, that male nurse was in and out of the room just saying we can't, we don't know yet, we don't know. And then I suppose he came in the final time and he just said, look, he's been kept alive by a machine. You have to come in and say goodbye. so un it's so unreal when you wake up oh. and life is normal and then in a split we hear that saying all the time yeah. life can change in a second yeah. but it really oh does my God. but until you experience that life changing moment nothing prepares you for it nothing you have nothing to go by can ever prepare you for this yeah and like <laughs> I think I was, my sister held my hand and we went into the room. There he was, lying on the bed. You know, he didn't have much physical injuries to see. I could see a bit of, you know, he had a head injury and there was blood gore coming from the back of his head. But, you know, he looked perfect. There was a cut on his face, all right. But he was just, oh, this big intrusive machine. I'll never forget it, keeping him alive. And in the meantime, I suppose my brother-in-law was in touch with Ronan's brothers. And like at the start, I told them they were in an accident. But then it was just get your arse down to Sligo dinner quick. It's not good. So they, I'll never forget it. We were all just standing around just and watching this machine going up and down and keeping them alive. And just didn't know what to do. And then Ronan's brothers, they obviously didn't really know what they were coming into. And they were came in the main doors a and and hooshed into this resource room and like I'll never forget their faces the shock the shock the shock and I remember one of them asking the doctor like kind of is there anything we can do here or what's the and they were like this machine has to be turned off we're just prolonging things here and oh my god yeah so we all had got to say our goodbyes and oh my god how do you say goodbye to someone that you love so much more than anything else in the world so soon and they switched off the machine and I suppose the moment Rona stopped breathing that's when my horrific nightmare began There's just no words, really. No. You know, because if your little boy at home. Oh, God. Yeah, it's. It's just like you didn't choose this. Nobody, no. nobody chooses it. But no. it's like the flip of a coin. And it's so there's no like I do this all the time. And I talk to people and there's just no sense to it. No. And it never. And it's really hard to deal with that. Never will make sense. No. You know, until the day I take my last breath, it will never make sense what happened like. But, oh my God, just the aftermath. Like, I think I had to be lifted off the floor. There was a big roll of guard of honor thing from all the staff outside the resource room. I remember seeing a man from home. He works in the staff there. I fell into his arms and I just screamed and bawled. 
I used to feel like carried into the family room and then of course they brought Ronan over to the morgue attached to the hospital like and you know in my line of work I've been down there unfortunately you know you have to identify bodies through work and stuff but nothing nothing in life will ever prepare you for seeing the love of your life lying in a morgue nothing like all rationale goes out the window like I remember my colleague on about they came down and you know it's a sudden death at the end of the day and it has to be investigated and they're on about ID in the body and I was looking at him like he had 20 heads I was like what are you talking about I couldn't make sense of anything like I literally we were all sat around Ronan and I think I practically lay across him and like it just it's just like wake me up wake me up from this nightmare it's a nightmare that keeps on going and you just have to <clears throat> you sometimes just go into autopilot then don't you I think people pull you along through it yeah but you you know I don't know somehow somehow you got up and walked out of that hospital yeah yeah and you had to go home went home without that him. night without him like oh my god home to our little baby I remember just bawling my eyes out holding him like obviously family and friends just took over like I didn't know what I was at they just rallied in took over like we went home there was people in the house uh, I had been assigned a family liaison officer which is mad because I had only trained as one the year before yeah. to help people bereaved people yeah work and uh, here I was with my own family liaison officer one of my colleagues Angela as you tune into today's meaningful conversation we at Counselling Online are so delighted to support and sponsor Grief Ireland grief is a complex emotion and we all cope in our own ways if you find yourself seeking a safe, confidential space to share and explore your feelings, Counselling Online is quietly here for you. Our motto is, wherever you are, we are. Should you feel like reaching out, we are only a click away. www.counsellingonline.ie Take your time and be well. What I took from, as I was saying, you sent me some stuff. There was obviously massive devastation, oh even man. outside of your family. Oh, as I would call it, the ripple effect. Yeah. You know, like it's unbelievable. Like, obviously, it's the main myself and Caelan and then Ronan's family, sure, my yeah. family, devastated his friends, all his football teammates, his colleagues. It rippled into the whole community like people were in disbelief like disbelief like when like his friends tell me when they heard the news they're just like ah now come on you must have the wrong Ronan you know it's it's not true and when they heard my friends and like no way couldn't be you know mm. and I will mind he's the most careful driver like I'd be telling him to push it on like do you know like come on Ronan relate and really careful like it was just such a freak accident that was the thing like his, his 
his colleagues went up the road two minutes after him, like, and went past his car. They didn't realise it was him. Wow. Like, it was just unbelievable what happened and just bad timing. And I just, I'll never make sense of it. Yeah. Did you go into that, like, numb place? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like that whole, we waked him in the house that whole weekend. So his accident happened on the Thursday. Um, he came home on the Friday. He was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and his funeral on the Monday. I was just zonked out. Like, I suppose it's the way of coping, isn't it? Mm. Didn't know what was going on to a certain extent. I did and I didn't. Yeah. And I remember being given half a tablet that night. And look, I suppose he too. I, it did conk me, but I'll never forget it. Like, coming home to the house and he's not there. And eventually going to bed at God knows what time that night. And my sister stayed with me. God love her. She slept on Ronan's side and both of us must have fell asleep eventually after all cried ourselves to sleep. And we woke up a few hours later in the middle of the night. And we just woke up bawling. And she just held me, the two of us, just in convulsions, crying. Like, it's just like we thought it was a dream. But it wasn't. But... Do you know, something happened that night, actually. And you can say it's the half asleep tablet I was on, but I know it's not, and I'll never forget the feeling. Like Ronan always put his head in the door in the bedroom, like, say, if I was, Caelan slept on or something, and he was heading out to work, he always put his head in to check on us. Do you know when Caelan was in the beside me crib, beside me? And uh, that night, like, like they say, it's a visitation, a dream visitation. And, like... I'll always remember waking up. I woke up to the key in the door rattling and it was like he stuck his head in the door for one last time to check on me. I remember waking up again. Like, it was so real. I'll never forget the feeling of him. The, you know, he was there. I'll never forget that. Yeah. I know it was him. Yeah. Just the feeling, the presence in his room, you know. He was there. I remember waking up my sister telling her, I was like, it wasn't. I didn't imagine it like, but like, oh man, nothing in a prepare you like coming down the stairs of the baby then and just, I suppose, news filtered. People started calling. Um, yeah, just then you had this thing on your hands of where is he going to be buried? Yeah. Like. He's in his 30s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just turned 40 then. You don't know where, like, that's not on your yeah. radar at all. And then I was in a big panic, like, his mom only died seven months before him. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want him to be on his own. Um, It's like, where am I going to put him? Like, I didn't know whether to put him up in Ballyfarnan or keep him the graveyard over from us. Close to you as well, yeah. Yeah, so, but look, I think one of my friends like, said, look, you're hardly going to travel up every day to the graveyard up you know, the 20 minutes, half an hour. And, you know, they were so right. I suppose I was just thinking because his mom was so fresh. Her death, I just didn't know what to do. And I didn't want him to be on my own, on his own. But yeah. look, he wasn't. My dad was in the older part of the grave and Ronan is up in the new. But like that day, not only was Ronan's grave marked out and paid for, but my own one. Because we had to get a double plot. So... You're just like one minute you're living life on high and next minute you've got a grave plot beside your deceased husband. Like it's the strangest 
you actually cannot put it into words. So obviously they had to, county council had to say that it has to, there's two plots because I'm his wife. So like that, um, obviously the there was a, a post-mortem and then Ronan's body was released on the Friday. Mm. And I just knew I wanted people that knew him to be with him. And there's this beautiful family in Ballyfarnan. Um, Tommy and Teresa Shivnan, they're the undertakers and they're the first people that popped into my head. It's like I want them to look after him. They knew him. their son was one of Ronan's friends. They knew him since he was a little codgine. So I knew they'd talk to him and mind him. It's so, so important, that, yeah. isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. Those last it's I suppose it's the very, very, very last thing that you can do for them. Yeah. So that was important to yeah, you that he was looked after. They were just phenomenal. They took over. And when I rang them, said I wanted them. And so they said to me, look, do you, will we bring home? Will we bring Ronan home to Ballyfernan for the last time? And there was a funeral home up there. And um, they were saying maybe we lay him out up there um, for a few hours and let football team and everybody pay the respects in the village so bearing in mind this is a fri late Friday late Friday nearly evening and word filter out that Roland was coming home to Bellyfern <sighs> my god Cathy I never could have imagined people said do you want to come up I was like yeah of course I'm coming up but I suppose you just don't know what you're doing and drove up, all the family drove up to Ballyfern in the Friday evening and oh my god, the crowds the crowds on the street like this was all organised within a couple of hours and you couldn't hear a pin drop I can remember getting out of the car and I made this noise I didn't recognise it going into the funeral home like it was just devastating to see your husband lay down and he was actually wearing he got a new suit for Caelan's christening because he got a lot of wear out of his wedding suit <laughs> so he said he treated himself to his new suit for Caelan's christening which is what six months before that mm. and he was laid out in his beautiful new suit that he bought he looked so handsome even still, he was such a handsome fecker. <laughs> he was, that's all. It's in there, it's he never blood. looked not well, he, as in he always looked well. I mean, gorgeous. He was just so handsome, handsome devil. <laughs> <laughs> Even in death. <laughs> He'd appreciate you saying that, oh. I'm sure. <laughs> I couldn't let him hear that. He'd have such a big head. But, oh God, it was the hardest, one of the hardest things it's so touching, isn't it, that um, when communities come out like oh. that, it's just it's, it's actually quite overwhelming, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's just like nothing, you know, or have ever been. No, and, no. and you don't want to, you don't want it to be for no, you or your family, even you though want it's so. To look on for someone else, not that you want anyone yeah, to go through this. But. Yeah, you just don't want it. But it's also, I suppose, when time passes by, it's real. Yeah. It gives you a bit of comfort, not comfort. But yeah, it does. Yeah, it's touching, isn't it? When I look back on it now, I can. You know how much he yeah, meant to yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, 
And so like the football team kind of did, I call it a drive by shooting, like we weren't allowed hug or anything. We were kind of in and Can out. What's that, oh, like? that must have been horrendous Kathy, time. Was, like it's so unnatural and against the grain. The worst time in your life and seeing his best friends walk past and, and you couldn't touch each other. Hug or, I was craving for them to just hug me. That's awful. Yeah. You know, that's a large part like of when something so devastating happens and it's oh God, the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. You're kind of like, it doesn't matter whether I get a hug or not. It's not going to bring him back. But actually, it's just added more yeah. trauma to you. Yeah, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that then um, they closed the coffin and put it Ronan in the back of the hearse and then Ronan's house is just above the crescent in the town and then the football pitch is beside it so they walked him actually sorry they carried him up to his house just outside his house and outside the football pitch for the last time because football was such a huge part of his life oh my god he was a diehard gay man GA man and his team, St. Ronan's. Oh my God, love them. And mm. he, I'll never forget, they drove really slowly outside of Ballyfarn and we were all driving behind, but the throngs and throngs and throngs of people that walked him out the dark road, even out past and like walked him out of Ballyfarn for the last time and like, grown men that I talked to to the day and said it was the saddest thing that they've ever seen like they've had a lot of funerals and but they've never seen the turnout in a level 5 lockdown so uh, quickly such short notice and then they literally walked him out of the village of big guard of honour and then my house is about 20 minutes or myself and Ronan's house is about 20 minutes from Ballyfarnan so we drove home, all the cars driving behind the hearse, like his final drive home. And everyone, everyone was out with their lanterns. This is in the middle of March. It's dark. I'll never forget it. Like everyone was stood out. They must have heard that he was coming back. They were all, every house had a light on and, and were standing outside their house with candles. It was so heartfelt. I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget just before we came over our road, just at the crossroads, like the amount of people there to welcome us home, is it? I don't know what to call it. Yeah. And they lined the road the whole way over. We live in the countryside and uh, up our lane, people up our lane. And like getting out of the car, you couldn't hear a pin drop. <laughs> I'll never forget it. They started saying the rosary. Like I could see, you could hear it from Sligo Town. It was just, it was heartwarming. Yeah. And then carrying him over in the front door into our house, this beautiful house. God. But it was such an honour, an honour and a privilege to have him home. Cause I know that's what he would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Irish do all that so well, the the com not comfort, but the, as you say, it's heartwarming and it's, yeah. it means so much. It really does mean so much. But yet. You're surrounded by so many people, but 
I'm yeah. sure you felt totally oh, on your own. It's like the one person that you want. You're going through the biggest thing in your life and the one person you want isn't there. Mm. So for him to come home was was huge for you. Yeah. And, and then all the while you have your little man in. Yeah, like little baby there circling around in the middle of all this and like, you know, it's devastation. It's devastation, isn't devastation. It? like, you know, and people didn't know what to do. I suppose it was coming out of that level five lockdown and people were starting to get vaccinated and still didn't know what to do. And, you know, yourself, the usual, the food appearing like Jesus. <laughs> chicken curry the curry and the, the sandwiches pie and the sandwiches <laughs> like Jesus um, yeah fair play to neighbours and everybody they just went all out and in the midst of this all there it's little Kaylin and I used to bring him down in the morning and you know his friends were just like I suppose trying to look like everything is normal but it's not there's a little nine month old baby looking in at his daddy in a coffin and dada dada I'll never forget it you know, he just thought daddy was asleep. He just started saying dada, dada. It's really, really difficult to watch children. Oh, yeah. When you have your own, like, you know. I just find it so hard to even think how, for you, yeah. what you've carried. You know, like, it's just so massive. It's just, it's too much for one person. Yeah. You know? Very, very heavy, Kathy. Yeah. It's a heavy cross to carry every day. And sometimes it gets so heavy it knocks you over. And you can't get up. But you do, because you've a little nine month old to feed and to bath and to get ready and life goes on. Unfortunately without your person and all the day to day tasks still mm. have to be done, you know. Afterwards, after the funeral and all that, I, I suppose that's when some of the darkest times come. Yeah, I can, I just rewind, like even just the morning of the funeral, like like that again, I'll never forget it. Like the crowds, um, the Monday morning and like just, I've never seen as many people at a funeral and I probably get my head down, but like from our house into the village was just lined, thronged with people. They were all outside because they weren't allowed in the church. And then after the mass, we walked Ronan. Boys, God love them, carried the coffin and took turns out our road and they walked past our house. And then I looked up and there was my neighbour with Kaylin. So she brought him outside and there's our little son waving down at his daddy's coffin, dressed in his blue and primrose and blue and his Roscommon colours. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. And then the graveyard is just a couple of miles from our house and the amount of people over there, like and just people lined everywhere, like everyone says still common, but they've never seen anything like it. Like he was just so loved, so, so loved. well known, so loved. You know, that's what really what I took from that video that I, I watched. You know, first of all, well done to his, his friends organised that, didn't they? Family and friends. Family yeah. and friends. It was just it was stunning, actually. It I almost just, can makes I just me give a shout out. It was Rory O'Brien, yeah. a family friend that organised that whole recording. He's just amazing and came to our rescue. It was stunning. Yeah. And it's, you know, I actually was kind of like, oh, I wish I'd done something like that for my nephews. You know, to, to capture, because it really does capture him. Yeah. Like I was looking at that video. <laughs> like, wow, Ronan Healy. Like, <laughs> no. like, literally, that's how I felt. I was like, <laughs> wow. 
Like, yeah, he was just I needed to know him, you know. Amazing person, yeah. So after the funeral, I suppose, you know, trying to. Do you feel like, you know, that you didn't know who you were anymore? Like oh. it's in who the hell am I? This is a new life that I didn't ask for. 100%. Like the old me is gone. Yeah. Like I grew up with Ronan. We grew up together like we were young. I spent my entire adult life with him. We did with each other. And next thing you're landed in this world you don't recognize without your person. You don't know who you are anymore. Like I'd be a fairly independent person and we both lived our separate lives. But obviously when you're thrown into this, oh, my God, it's just nothing can prepare you for it. You don't know who you are. You lose your confidence like I was a happy go lucky, smiley, happy person. And next thing it's just the sorrow and sadness and heartbreak it brings like you just can't describe it in words. Actually, there's no words in the English dictionary that does it justice. It's just it's such an unbelievable loss. It's, uh, like all losses are, are heavy and it, it affects everything. It's, it's intertwined and intergrained into everything you do from the moment you wake up in the morning, that first cup of coffee to going to bed at night. The loneliness, like the loneliness. Just your person isn't there just to talk something through, just say, how was your day? The texts, I miss texting them so much. Like, I, I that's what I, I, oh God, I struggled with and still to the day. I miss this text, like he's always checking in. Sending daft, daft stuff to me. Like, it just we were just really <laughs> silly. We were really, really silly. Um, Just a mutual love, like Father Ted, you know, these silly things. And always, like, I still to the day, I see silly memes or funny things on Instagram and I screenshot them and I, I go to send them to him and, that's yeah. See, that's what that's what loss is, really, isn't it? It's all those small little moments. Yeah, and it's the small things mm-hmm. that add up to the big things. Mm-hmm. And it's I know my, it's unfortunately girls I've met in the same position. Unfortunately, I've met them, and we always say it's obviously people see the big massive loss and it's horrendous. Ronan's gone, my husband, but it's the secondary losses. Yeah, they're huge. Like you know, just. You know, cooking for one. Like I couldn't cook for a long time. We were such foodies. Uh, going around the supermarket, I see all this food. Like it was, I was going, oh my god, heartbroken. Um, you know, you're you're next to kin. Like he was my next to kin on everything for the guts of twenty years, and next thing I had to change it. Like God love my sister, <laughs> she's inherited another one. Um. I, like I recently had to fill out a form there only the other day and I want, they wanted my next kin and like I was like oh just like you don't just lose somebody once you lose them over mm-hmm. and over and over just the mundane tasks every day the bins don't get me started on the bins but also you get you know you get the um, letters through the door addressed to him for yeah. some time then oh yeah and the admin nothing can prepare you for the no. death admin like yeah. still to the day two and a half years later I still get stuff in the door relating to, you know, the accident or the insurance companies or, you know, just trying to get a passport there recently for Kaylin and it's, oh, it's yeah, torture. Yeah, you have to fill out the forms, give him the death cert, all that stuff. Yeah, you have to get mm-hmm. an affidavit in a yeah. solicitor to say you're the sole guardian and you have to type or fill out all this and get a death cert. Like the death cert should be enough. Like I, I actually 
that made a boo-boo in the boo-boo. I'm so used to saying that with Caelan. And um, <laughs> mix up in the passport office with the forms. So I had to go get his death cert again and our marriage cert and Caelan's birth cert again. Had to queue in the HSC buildings there in Markovich House. And you see, even that, oh, like, you know, torture. Even that, I could pass by you and you're, you know, you probably want to take a picture of a beautiful <laughs> blonde oh young woman. And I could see you queuing in a building there like that. And I'd have no idea no. what you're in there for. No. Yeah. It's the randomness of it, of death. And I suppose that's what I've come to learn. It kind of scares me sometimes too. Like when I think of all, it's just so random. It's so, there's no sense. No. There's sudden, there's long goodbyes. It's just, it's just huge but then it's with a sudden loss like that it's, it's just really 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 traumatic isn't it, it? it's the trauma like the trauma takes over yeah like and oh my god what it does to your body yeah like grief alone but traumatic grief and loss of somebody young like it's what it does to your body like I was never as ill as the first couple of years really uh, oh man just got everything god chest infection after chest infection and they say grief is stored in your, in your lungs. lungs yeah didn't know that until recently actually yeah, it makes yeah. so much sense um eye infection after eye infection because crying so much like just can't stop crying i actually got laser eye surgery done about eight weeks after ronan died i had it booked and like i used to where if i didn't have my glasses on i had contacts in and i was crying so much that like the glasses would just fog up i couldn't see i was permanently going around i laugh but it's not funny i know oh you do you just if you don't laugh you cry yeah. i couldn't see and people would be calling and i fog up i just couldn't see and then i put in my contacts and my eyes are so red and sore from crying all the time but my contacts would just fall out <laughs> So I got laser eyes. Literally surgery. cry your eyes out, as they say. Yeah, it was my first time away from the baby. His birthday, he died yeah. in March. His birthday was in August and we climbed. A, there's a, a woods or forest near me and there's a boardwalk and got together with a few of his friends and family and we cake up on the top of it and climbed it. And I went home that night and I was so sick. Like it was just pure because I remember texting everyone saying, is anyone else sick? Like I thought I had a bug. But it lasted for three days. I couldn't stop getting sick. Like, and then it's it, just sheer it's, grief. Yeah, and this happens on and off. And like, after his, I remember his first anniversary, coming home just before we were going down to get something to eat, and I just got out of the car and just puked everywhere. It's just pure grief. What is it does to your crazy body. when yeah. you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just the physicality of it, like you're just sore all over, and it just emphasizes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's an ache like yeah. that you know you can't describe it no like somebody said I heard another on Instagram widow saying it's like someone pouring concrete down your chest and it's setting and that's exactly when I heard it it's like oh my god wow yeah that's it's, a pretty strong analogy isn't it yeah it's it's heavy like it's heavy you know the ache yeah the ache yeah. yeah 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 yeah. it's literally you can feel your heart breaking like you know they say heartbreak but you can literally Feel it in your chest, yeah. Yeah. Just everything it brings on then, anxiety, worried about the future, Caelan's daddy not being around, just something happening to someone else, something happening to me. And as you know, Cathy, you know above all people, you lost your sister and your brother-in-law, so. I know, it's scary. Two little nephews. Yeah, it's just, you know, that's so rare that that happens. But 
I do think anyone who has lost a mm. spouse sees in me that possibility, you know, yeah. through our story. Yeah. And it's very scary, I yeah. imagine. It's yeah. another element of something that you worry about, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I never had much anxiety or suffering. Obviously, we were nervous about things, but oh, my God. Nothing like this. No. And then, you know, obviously you're still there's no like coming through this. There's no bright ending, actually, uh, to this story. But the, the one thing that I when I think about you is, you know, I obviously set up grief retreats. This sounds like it's an ad. It's not an ad. It's not an ad. <laughs> you plug in your business. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Um, but actually, I, d- I think I told you this, but I'm not really 100 percent sure if I clarified it because with time. Um, I know for sure now. I first met you at Brian Dowling had an event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the a wonderful Brian. Brian. Um, and I was at his event and so this is the live podcast. This is the live podcast thing, yeah. yeah. So I was sitting there anyway, and at the end of it, all these people come over talking to me because I had the Grief Ireland page and they were like, Oh my god, your page, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. So it's amazing and it helps me so much. And the first lady I met was a lady called Olivia. In the bathroom downstairs and we started talking and she says, oh, you do, you have the Grief Ireland page. And she told me she lost her husband. So we did a quick chat in the bathroom. So I went back to the table and then at the end of it, you come over and said love to me. Yeah. I can picture it still. We're to the left of the stage and you were talking to me and you were saying I follow your page and all that. And I lost my husband. And then we finished talking and I remember you were saying you had a young baby and then you left and then this other girl came over called Melanie and I started talking to her yeah. <laughs> and she told me, you know, I lost my husband, James, to yeah. cancer and I have three kids. And I started going, did you talk to her over there? Yeah. I was like, D- D- you just missed her. And I think I got the two of you talking on that yeah. day. Myself and Mel met that yes. day for the first time. Because I was like, you guys need to like, you just missed her. Like, talk to her. Yeah. Say hello, say hello, whatever. And then I went on and I went home. And after that event, this had been in my head anyway, mm. but after that event, I was like, because I had thought of my sister so much, like yeah. you, she was at home, she was devastated, she'd lost her husband and she was just kept saying to me, nobody can get what this is like. Yeah. Only someone else who's been through it. But she's sitting in the middle of Roscommon with no way of connecting with anyone. Yeah. And I remember going, even before I'd met you, I have to find a way, particularly, and I don't love the word, but widows. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking... You know, it's the it's the person to lean on. That's what they're missing at night time. They've nobody. Yeah. Whereas I had all this loss, but I had my other half to kind of yeah. lean on. And it was always in my head going, how do I get them together? How do I get them together? And that day I met you and I came home and I was like, I wonder would anyone do a weekend away like like a retreat? <laughs> we were like, yeah. So I put it up on Instagram and I was like, yeah, let's yeah. Does anyone, anyone, anyone interested? And then I was like, right, I'll ring a hotel, do all the bits. And it sold out 24 hours. Yeah. But you were on that first one. Oh, yeah. Melanie was on the first one. Yeah. Olivia was on the first one. Yeah. And now all three of you, plus Aileen. Yes. And another girl, I believe, are all pals. Yeah. My... It's like, it's, I can't tell you. First uh... of all, you are the reason for the retreats. <laughs> you are the no, reason. No, no, no. You, you take honey. the credit. You take the credit because yeah. it was in my head but it was you, you coming to say hello to us. me. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. And I always talk about you. I feel like you're my success story oh. because I'm like, that's <laughs> all I baby. wanted. That's all I wanted. <laughs> oh. It's all I wanted and when it, the moment it came together for me was you sent me a snap of you all together drinking a glass of wine. Yes. And it just made me so happy. Oh. 
I don't know if it's like a therapist would be like, Kathy's trying to heal some. <laughs> There's something inside her there, but I don't know. I feel like yeah. my sister would have like loved yeah. all of you and it would have yeah. meant so much to her to have you. Yeah. It wouldn't have helped the pain, yeah. but at least you would get it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you're really the inspiration behind the retreat. So there you go. No, I think <laughs> thank you, you, you Dolly, that organised everything. But we'll we constantly yeah. talk about you and how oh. much. Like I actually get emotional when I think of the three girls because we're trying to help pull each other Truth. out of the woods and hold our hands and just it's like people probably think oh four widows like so basically we it's met four, four friends four friends yeah, yeah. You know I think I mean? we would have got That's on anyways think, like no. they're good fun and we're just normal You're people young, that, you see yeah yeah the devastating circumstances and actually all our losses are so different like Ronan's uh, road traffic accident Olivia's husband died by suicide Aileen's husband Can't died say. by oh sorry um, Aileen's heart attack. heart attack and Mel's husband died by um, cancer, cancer. Mm. so we obviously got on at your retreat and got chatting. The next thing, I, I think I remember saying to them, I was like, would you be interested in keeping contact? So it set up a WhatsApp group between the four of us. And yeah, we just, we cry, we laugh. We put in about the stupid things people say to us. Like, I mean, stupid things. <laughs> it's just like, and then obviously all the good things that people yeah. do. We don't concentrate on the bad. So. I know, I know. Um, get it so we'll be forever grateful for you for putting us together. Oh, listen, I didn't put you together. That's just how it worked out. But, you know, and sure you're we had the best time. Yeah. I always remember that Saturday afternoon in the bar on the retreat. Yeah. We had a free time and we were having glasses of wine. Remember we took down for meditation. I was half yeah. schools to drink the wine. Bananas. It's like I need to get People thought together. we were on a hen party. Do you remember? They're like, are you part of the hen? We're like, we are not going to tell there you what we're on. There was a hen party at the hotel and they're like, is this the hen? Yeah. Darren's hen. Yeah. And we were like, no, this is a grief retreat. <laughs> Way to bring the room down. Yeah. <laughs> but we had fun. Yeah. And that's the did. thing. Like and Aileen and, and Mel uh, and Olivia, they're just gorgeous. Or just and, like, and everyone that was on the retreat, they were yeah. beautiful human beings. We'll get you all together again. Yeah, I I had said that to Aileen. I'd love the four of you to come in together. Yeah. You just don't have enough t- t- chairs, but we'll make it work sometime. Yeah, yeah. No. Look, yeah, that's as time ticks on. Like we just want to help somebody that's in our shoes, that's in the early, early days, because suffocating. you just feel like you're suffocating and drowning and mm. nobody else gets it. Un- thankfully, but like. There's, it's it's a very different loss, a spousal loss, and then to be left with young children and just to have hope. Mm. We always use that word. We want hope and a bit of light in our lives. And yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Do you feel like you have hope now for the future ahead? Yeah, I'll, I hope I'm not running over the time for you here, but You're not I, I've, I've put a lot of work into myself. Um, I've gone on a lot of retreats. I've gone on your grief retreat and I've gone on two Others. wellness mm. and kind of yoga retreats so after Ronan's um, first anniversary which was like another funeral because everyone was able to get together and we had something in the community hall afterwards so it was very hard and then I had his inquest then 13 months after his died after he died yeah that was really really hard time in my life very very dark and struggled a lot and I suppose you're overall the first and next thing they're rolling around again and he's still not home. It's very, very hard. And yeah, so I don't know how it happened, but I ended up, I must have reached out to this girl on Instagram. She's Wellness by Jen and oh, she yeah. runs these retreats in Italy. Yes, yeah. And I remember messaging her um, a few months 
um, before I had actually went on the retreat and she's like, do it, book it. But I didn't have a passport. It was out of date. She goes, look, this is a sign. She goes, book into the one in spring 2022. So I did. I booked it. So it was actually turned out it was a week after Ronan's inquest. Like it was such a heavy time when I look back, like the whole I had to give evidence. I was the last person to speak to Ronan. Like I do this as a job, but nothing, as I say, will ever prepare you for your own, own husband's yeah. inquest. And obviously it was accidental and it was just so tragic. And um, hearing all the the statements from the guards and the ambulance and everybody and it all coming back and trying to deal with that. I'm not like I just oh probably went back in myself again after that. And then and just when you say about light in your life retreat was my first introduction to the start of a bit of life Aww. light back in my life okay and then I met you Amazing. and then it brought me onto your grief retreat I met the girls and obviously behind all the scenes is my beautiful family my wonderful son Ronan's beautiful family and my wonderful friends Ronan's wonderful friends and just everyone that's trying to help me along and hold my hand and yeah, and I, uh, yeah, went on your retreat, met the girls and then last, just last April. So just after Ronan's second anniversary, I went on another retreat. So I went on Jerry Hussey's Soul Space oh, wow, yeah. retreat, which is another wellness and yoga retreat that was in Portugal for five days. All these retreats, I suppose, have opened up uh, meditation. Not that I don't do it enough, but it, when I'm having a really bad day, I try and get to the beach and do a bit of just five minutes meditation and yeah you need ways to cope yeah like you do you think you can do it all by yourself but actually uh, someone I was speaking to earlier said that um someone said to her that you know resilience and being really resilient is not the same as self-care no, no. it's true because you keep thinking I'll get through this I'm tough I'm strong and all this that's not the same thing as minding yourself no like. and like no. self-care is so important it's huge like you really have to pull back like I really did pull back that first year and I, you know, I, I just wasn't able for too many people. I pulled back and yeah. I had to mind myself and yeah. who I surrounded myself with and mind my energy. Like you're mm. you're just exhausted, the permanent exhaustion, even still to the day. I'm my head. I've like what they call it brain or widow, widow fog, brain. Widow yeah. Brain. yeah. Oh, my God. I just my brain does not think the same way. Um, but yeah, that um, retreat. I just I'd highly all the retreats I've been on yours included Thank you. the three of them highly highly recommend them like each and every one of them brings something different mm -hmm. to your plate you know mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah yeah look it's been just such a pleasure to talk to you um we hadn't planned it as I said yesterday morning we weren't going to be meeting at all and now you're here um but yeah like as I said I definitely hold a special place in my heart for you I yeah. think you're an amazing woman you're a great mom you're carrying such a broken heart but you're honest about it and you're open about it and there is light there but I think you're it's so early still yeah. it's really very early yeah. and very very raw and it's traumatic yeah. it's not it's not easy to work through and process that to let it fall and settle on you for many years maybe you know yeah. if ever yeah but um you know, I just wish you continued love and, you know, just care for you and your son. Thank you. 
Thank you, Cathy. And thank you for all you've done for the people of Ireland. Like, seriously, <laughs> you're we call you an earth angel. You really, really are. And so. just you're doing this selflessly and on your own time. And you have a job and you're a full time mom yourself and dealing with your own grief. So you're an amazing person. Um, can I finish out on yeah, something? Of course you can. Just for any young widows or anyone starting out on the grief journey, just, you know, those first couple of years and like the second year is, is very, very hard. And even now, um, you know, after all the firsts are gone and everything, but there is, you know, as I say, surround yourself with people you love, you know, get out into nature if you can go for walks, listen to podcasts. Podcasts saved me like I had to connect with others in the same um, position as me, especially Irish people. So like when I lost my dad, I would have listened to um, ones on, on parent loss. But then mm. obviously t- a table turned and I was listening to spousal loss and I, oh, my God, I've listened They're to a lifeline, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just to hear other people like I felt like I was the only person in the world that this happened to to be left with a nine month old baby and losing my young husband. And it turns out, unfortunately, I'm not. And I listened to Brian Dowling's Depth Becomes Him podcasts and got to listen to like John McAreevy. Mm, so many. Lisa Culhan, um, Rachel Gowrie. Yeah. Like it's so. And more it, than you would yeah, expect. And it put it put me in, in touch with all of them. I suppose you could follow them on Instagram. Instagram then put me in touch with you on Grief Ireland page and. Um, just to say that there's light, not that I'm in any way cured or healed. It's a, it's 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 going to be a forever thing. Like I'm always going to miss Ronan till the day I die. And he's always going to be Caitlin's daddy. Um, there's always going to be a tinge of sadness there with everything. But there is a lot to live for there. Um, mm. I've started getting out a little bit more and, you know, it, it does help and have a night out with your friends and don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. And I just have something here I want to read. Yeah, work away. So, okay. Yeah, work away. So I brought um, on Jerry Hussey's retreat. I had his book. I started reading it on the plane on the way over to the retreat. So I got him to sign it for me. Okay. And he just wrote this little note and I just thought it'd be nice for people to hear a little bit of hope. Fabulous. So I had to write it out because Jerry Hussey has doctor's writing. I couldn't understand his <laughs> writing. <laughs> so it basically says um, he wrote in my book, life is uncertain. It is unpredictable. And it can leave us feeling lost. But deep in my heart, I know that nobody is ever lost. I believe that our hearts hold all the love we will ever need. And everyone we ever loved is always in our hearts. There is love that endures. There is a hope and freedom that is always worth fighting for and living for. Love is always the answer. Wow, that's gorgeous. That's special. I just read it there before I came down. I said, I'm going to bring that with me. Fab. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. No problem. That's gorgeous. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I really cried my whole way through this episode. It was such a tough listen, but it's so many people's reality, unfortunately. And I know by Diane sharing her story, it will absolutely help somebody out there to feel less alone. If you are enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to follow and rate on the channel you're listening to it on. Go tell a friend and I will talk to you next time.